Maddie doesn't need to eat dinner tonight. We got her a happy meal on the way home from school, so she's good. Okay, you think that's good for the whole night, and we shouldn't feel bad that she didn't eat something green? Um, that is my rule. Are there pickles on a hamburger? <laughs> McDonald's? That's green. I don't think she'll eat pickles. She only eats meat and cheese. That's true. So a happy meal's not a real meal? I think we better eat something green. Okay, we'll figure it better. Well, welcome to the Imperfect and Normal Families Only podcast. This is Barrett and Jennifer Johnson. We're glad you joined us today. This is our second episode of our brand new stinking podcast, and we're off and racing, off and running here. Yeah, we're excited. I'm excited. I've never gotten to do it with you and talk about what we really want to talk about. That's right. This is us having our conversation. We could talk about our budget for next week. We could, you know, talk about... Not what we're feeding our children for dinner? (laughs) Probably not. Well, uh, again, our podcast is committed to encouraging and coming alongside imperfect and normal families only. And so there's a way you can determine. We're even going to ask some questions, kind of like Jeff Foxworthy does his, you know, you might be a redneck stuff. Yeah. How do people know, Jen, if this podcast might be right for them? If you have ever left one of your children at church... This podcast is for you. Okay. Yeah, we've done that a couple times, I think. Oh, gosh, I hope not. Well, here's another one. I'm always worried about that. Here's another one. If, if dinner out with your spouse has ever been made up of an evening at Costco taking tasting samples, this podcast is for you. That, it's like mm-hmm. a date, isn't it's it? It's romantic. You're, it's a dinner out. You're having all the samples. <laughs> and really, though, you're saving all the money eating the samples, Fantastic. but then you want to buy a bunch of food while you're there, That's so true. you walk out with a $300 grocery bill. We've never done that before. What else? And then, if you have ever done an entire science fair project at 10 o'clock at night, the night before it was due, this podcast is for you. I'm sure everyone listening to our voices right now has done that before. So this is normal people. So if if you've never done those things and you're perfect in every way, go listen to something else. We're not for you. But this is a podcast designed to uh, encourage and uh, come alongside normal families like yours and ours. And if you want to know more about what we're about, go back to last week's introduction. You can hear kind of an overview of what we're about. But today, we're getting to our first topic ever. And we're going to just jump right in, honey, and talk about sex. Yeah. That's our life now, and it's kind of weird that that's what we talk about. We need to have salt and pepper w- in the background. Lena. Let's talk about sex, Yeah, baby. you do, or should have opened with that. Should. But I often wish that God could have given me the job of speaking on these deep-level Bible studies on Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or something, other than talking about sex all the time. But like we said in our first podcast, we believe that we need to take that back from the enemy and it needs to belong to God and that it is holy and sacred and wonderful. And we just want to change people's view about it. Particularly in marriage. And so if you yeah. have got, if you're listening to the minivan right now and the kids are with you, maybe we're going to do something else, you know, put on that uh, kids bop CD until you get home. Um, but if you're alone, then maybe, or with your spouse, this would be a great time to kind of listen to what we have to say or what God has to say about getting this right. But before we do that, let's do in the news. Well, in local news, the, the bachelor, if we're being timely is still going strong. I think you just eliminated one more person, he's down to three, our special virgin bachelor. Talk about sex. That's kind of interesting that, that our, our bachelor who's known for being a virgin. That's kind of fun yeah, and interesting. I just want everyone out there to know that we do not watch that show, no, but it's though, in the news. and you just saw it in the news. And the only time I've ever watched it or seen it is when... I won't name names, but someone from our home um, would come home from the house they were renting where there was no cable to watch it at our house because we had cable. And oh my gosh, just I want to punch somebody in the face or something. It's It's just But but The Bachelor is a great great way to find your spouse. I I looked at some stats on The Bachelor of 
you know, 20 seasons of The Bachelor. Yeah. Finding that perfect person, matchmaking on national TV. So how many was it? One couple still together. Really? Yeah. So it's only a matter of time before our Bachelor now chooses of these final three, I think, um, either marries or breaks up but or divorces eventually, but only one couple. So, so I, I just, the study's out, the, the, the information, the data is in. Apparently, dating, excuse me, 25 women on national TV is not mm-hmm. a great way to find your spouse. I would, th- I, I just can't even think, I cannot believe the show has expanded and gone on this long. It just blows my mind. I think it's one of those uh, uh, guilty pleasures. You can't, you, just, stop you can't stop watching. Yeah. Well, beyond the uh, important news there, just uh, another thing in the news we saw, or just an infographic we saw that was interesting, related to today's topics. We are talking about sex and marriage today, so this was kind of interesting and we're seeing. So this infographic about sexless marriages and psychiatrists and counselors and people in the biz refer to a sexless marriages as one where you're having sex with your partner, your spouse, 12 times or less, about 10 times a year is kind of the expected. So if you're having sex once a month, according Gosh. to the experts, you're in a sexless marriage. It's not near enough. Goodness gracious. Why goodness gracious? It must honey? not last very long either. What must not last very long? Are you going to talk explicit there? Yeah, it's just it's it's been been a month since Once we were month? together. Good it's like grief. Yeah, I think that yeah that that would be very <laughs> yes. Okay. Anyway. Well, it, it's interesting. The uh, the stats show that about twenty percent of married couples would define by that definition would be in a sexless marriage. So fifteen twenty percent of you out there listening. Are, are getting busy less than once a month. So that's uh, one stat. And they another stat that showed that 20 to 30% of men have little or no sex drive and 30 to 50% of women in marriage have little or no sex drive, which is an issue. Mm-hmm. When there's no drive, it's hard to get motivated to go there. One of the things we always talk about, and, and even working with young couples, you know, the woman comes to me and says, I just don't feel desire on the front end and I think I picked the wrong guy even I've had two girls say that to me because if they were in love with the right person and compatible yeah. then they'd be just then they would just be like at the front door you know just waiting for their spouse to come home yeah um but we really do want to educate people on the fact that it's okay to not feel desire in the very beginning and that's pretty much normal. It and can be so normal for many it people. It can be very, yeah. It can be very. There's some folks who you can ask folks who don't have a lot of desire at the front end. Well, do you have sex? And they say yes. Do you enjoy it? Sure. And it's almost like they only want to have sex when they're having sex. Mm-hmm. And you have those moments where you do uh, get connected, and you go, "Man, this is. Why don't we do this more often? This is a very good thing, but it's just turning the corner, which we'll cover more in just a little bit. But for now, let's talk about uh, today's imperfect normal family of the week. All right, so our Imperfect Normal Family of the Week is going to be you this week. We're still waiting for submissions from you guys. We're looking for those telling us your stories, your For Real Friday stories. Of course, use that hashtag, For Real Friday, on Facebook, and we'll see those and be willing to share them here as days go by. But we created a survey a number of years ago in a blog post we did, basically saying how messed up is your family? How imperfect and normal is your family compared to others? So we want to encourage you to take a little quiz today. Get a little piece of paper out and number it one to 10. And every answer's got an ABC list on here. And based on how you answer these questions, will determine, again, how well you fit into our little vibe here. So maybe uh, this is you. And maybe I you'll haven't see seen yourself. this until just now. And yeah. I'm thinking, I wonder where you got all these questions from. 
our own life? <laughs> it's looking a little familiar. Of course it is. This is okay. us. All right. So uh, 10 questions, number them one to 10, and uh, give us answers, and, and uh, you'll score them accordingly as we go. So question number one, Jen, go. Your two-month-old baby is crying. What are you most likely to do? And this is when they're crying in the middle of the night, yes, right? Yeah, yeah. One, you rush to quiet her before your spouse wakes. B, quickly you discuss which turn it is to get her. C, you give an Academy Award caliber performance of faking like you are asleep. Yeah, we've done that before. That sounds vaguely familiar. All right. Number two. So A, B, or C there. Write your answer down. Number two. uh, Your daughter in kindergarten has memorized A, your address and phone number. Good. B, Psalm 23. A lot of kindergartners do that. Or C, the lyrics to every single song in Frozen. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. probably true for many of us out there. You go. Oh, gosh. Your, number three, your children's names all begin with the same letter. A, I'm sorry. B, were inspired by your parents' or grandparents' names. Mm. C, don't matter since you typically call them by the wrong names anyway. Yeah, that's definitely us. Yeah, you call Especially your kids you by the wrong names. Family. There you go. I mean, my kids have literally asked me, Mom, do you know my name? A, B, or C. All right, number four. Uh, what is your plan to pay for your kids' college education? Very important topic. A, state-sponsored savings plan. B, academic scholarships. Or C, scratch-off lottery tickets. <laughs> That is not us. We do not play the lottery. All right, number five. One of your favorite things is to climb into bed with your spouse and enjoy Mm -hmm. A, marital passion and intimacy, Mm -hmm. B, late night television, or C, Tylenol PM. (laughs) Tylenol PM. Sometimes it's fantastic. Number six, uh, the Bible verse you have to remember most as you parent says this, quote, A, uh, raise up a child in the way he should go. Great first. B, uh, don't exasperate your children. Great principle for parents. Or C, thou shalt not kill. That oh, comes into play sometimes with teenagers, I think. Yeah. Oh. oh, oh, oh. Number seven. There is a horrible smell coming from your teenage son's room. It's most likely to be A, simple body odor, mm-hmm. B, a huge pile of unwashed laundry, or mm-hmm. C, half a tuna sandwich that's been under the bed since the Obama administration. <laughs> uh-huh. Boys are, teenage boys are so stinky. Well, some girls are slobs too, so that's coming they to play there. They don't stink as bad as teenage boys, though. This is true. Number eight. Keep your tally going there, A, Bs, and Cs. Number eight. The look and feel of your home decor is most similar to what is found on which of the following TV shows? Is it A, Fixer Upper, B, Design on a Dime, or C, Hoarders? (laughs) Oh, my. People think my house is always clean, but it is honestly because it's so small we wouldn't have anywhere to walk if we didn't have things picked up. Good point. Number nine, you believe the most valuable technological advancement in teaching teens to drive is... A, the automatic transmission. That's very important, yes. B, the rear view backup cameras, or C, Valium. <laughs> yeah, parents need some Valium. I put that off on Barrett. He had to do much of that. because All right, number 10. Couldn't. Last question. Uh, your greatest desire for your teenager is that they, A, develop lasting character, B, uh, be happy, or C, leave home. Um, if C was your answer, then you're probably normal like us. So... Get your scores. What do your answer means? We, we kind of made this uh, measurement scale up completely, These, but these statistics are, that you're going to find are 100% valid because we made them up. Uh, if you had mostly A's, then you're probably the perfect family out there that the rest of us hate. Again, you're listening to the wrong podcast. Please go listen to something else and uh, don't tell us who you are. Uh, if you're mostly B's, you're doing pretty extraordinary things too. You probably need to relax a bit. 
you're probably making the rest of us look bad. That's probably 10% of the population there. But if you're mostly C's, like Barrett and Jennifer are mostly C's, then congratulations. You're like the rest of us who are trying to make our families function in this crazy world. And that's just basically all. Now, here's the deal. If you answered all C, if you look at your scale, and it's every one of them is a C, then you're in that small 1% of the population that's crossed a line into spectacular weirdness. So we recommend that you get an agent and begin, you know, negotiations to launch a reality <laughs> TV show about your life. Because we'd, we'd, well. we'd pay to watch that all day long. Yeah. Again, if uh, you answer a uh, seed, a lot of those, then you're normal like us. And this is the place for you. Up next, it's our topic of the week. So it's kind of odd that our first official episode of this, we are digging right into sex automatically. And, you know, we kind of struggle with that a little bit of doing, yeah. you want to... I was like, let's do something a little bit lighter um, at the very beginning of us doing this podcast. But Barrett and I really prayed about it. And we just feel like we want people out of the gate to know that this is our passion. And we can talk about parenting and marriage and all kinds of stuff, Which but we will. this is our number one thing that we feel so strongly about. There's nothing out there. There's no one talking about these things. So here, you and it's to- awkward in the church to talk about it from a stage because you get a mixed audience and kids in the kids, room for sanctuary. Yeah. We've done marriage events where churches even say, "Hey, let's talk about the content you're going to teach at our marriage conference for couples." They invite us in to do a conference, yeah. And then we talk about, "Hey, we want to do a session on sex and marriage." We had one church give us a real pushback and say, "You know what? We think that if the marriage is healthy, then sex will happen automatically." And we're like. That's not been our experience. There's a lot of folks who are killing it in every area of their marriage, but they're not being sexually intimate, and it's su- somebody's suffering in the marriage, yeah. and the whole marriage is suffering for some reason or another. So we really feel like it, it's one of the key factors of marriage, particularly if it's not happening. If you are in a sexless marriage, one or both of you is, is feels like it's a bad deal, and so we need to figure out how to start talking about it, and this could be a safe place to do that. So welcome to a conversation about sex <clears throat> in marriage. We, we kind of believe it is the fuel in the gas tank to a healthy marriage. You know, everything can be working properly in your car, but if you don't put gas in the tank, it's never going to go anywhere. And so we want to keep our tank filled in this area and deal with it. So uh, at the very beginning, we'd say this, that remember, sex is not a side thing. Uh, it's, not a, it's not an issue that makes God uncomfortable. God created sexual intimacy for our good and for our joy and to bring couples together in a unique way. And there's, it's actually commanded by God, hey, you need to be having sex. It's not something we can say, well, we'll put it off for a long season when we have young kids or, or when we're older. We've got to find a way to stay close in that area, mm-hmm. and, and we've got to give you coaching or give you encouragement for how to find that or keep it happening at every stage of marriage, no matter where you are. Now, again, if you're listening and you're 97 years old, you get a pass on this conversation. <laughs> uh, but for most of us out there, it's a deal. So why aren't couples having sex, Jen? I mean, we talk to couples all the time, couples that are struggling yeah. or couples that are distant or this is kind of absent. What are some of the reasons you think of it? I've been talking about this for so many years now. And one of the things is they just have a negative view of it. And, um, you know, maybe something traumatic has happened. Maybe they have pain. Maybe they have, um, I don't know. There's a lot of different challenges to make them feel very negative about it. And of course, then they feel like there's no one to go to, to talk to. But what I love about this day and age from being in ministry all these years is 
I would say there are a lot of, let me think, about 30-year-olds out there who counsel people on the topic of sex and help people because before then there wasn't much help. I think negative view develops as well from even among good people of faith where where young women particularly where mamas have told their daughters all through the developmental Mm -hmm. years, sex is bad, sex is bad, and, and then they... You know, walked down an aisle with their turn the corner at their wedding day, and they head for a honeymoon. And sweet little mama whispers in her sweet little daughter's ear, "Hey, it's fine now. Have fun." And these poor girls can't turn the corner and realize it's mm-hmm. good. So, um, we'll cover that more next week. What to tell your kids about sex? But for now, um, again, why aren't couples having sex? I think there's an exhaustion factor. We're just tired. We put our energies and our life and our soul into everything else, our kids and our work and staying busy and you know, chasing the carrot out there in our world, but we don't save energy for each other. Mm-hmm. And our testimony, I mean, I'll just go ahead and say it. I mean, I've been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I have had no um, disc in my back at my L5, L4 um, L5S1, I'm sorry, and had to have a fake disc put in. I have had dislocated my shoulder really bad. You have reasons and to be had exhausted. nerve damage, and I just tore my ACL in December completely and had to have it mended in January. And so if you look at me and tell me you're exhausted and you can't have sex, I'm going to have a long, hard talk with you because, listen, I have – I. When it's good and when it's going the way it should be, you should still try to be intimate, even though you have got physical issues yeah. way beyond. I mean, I've had physical issues way beyond exhaustion. Indeed. But I love Baird and I love what God's given us, and I don't want to skip a beat. Good. I just want us to keep, um, to whatever degree, we can keep our intimacy. It's just so important to us. Yeah. I think another reason couples don't connect like they need to is it's not, sex is not mutual fulfilling. It's focused on one person, typically the guy, let's let's be honest, typically, uh, you know, because sex is a lot, let's be frank, a lot more, a lot easier for guys to be fully satisfied than it is for a woman. And so, uh, you know, if, if a woman has a negative view because it's just not that good for her, then there's some work needs to be done there on a man's part to figure out how to how to just meet the needs of his wife, what it might look like. Um, what else uh, might cause couples to kind of not or find themselves in a sexless marriage? Well, I think you definitely have to give a lot of energy to the emotional and the romantic part of your relationship. Um, Particularly with girls wants to be with his wife, he doesn't go chasing her around. That buzz that he gets to want to chase his wife around needs to be a reminder to him and a question to himself. Have I dated her? Have I done anything nice for my wife lately? Have I ministered to her? Spoken her love language and or whatever it might that's be. That's what I was going to say. The way that you can figure this out is by reading the book, The Five Love Languages, and deciding and discovering which one you are. And so if Barrett is physical touch and I haven't scratched his back or rubbed his neck or whatever, and that's just something that's really important to him, and I I can lose him. And he can lose me by not spending quality time with me because that's my love language. And so if we're not doing that and we're speaking different languages, then that's not going to cause the kind of intimacy that makes you want to be physically intimate. That's very, very good. So one thing couples can do is just, again, start talking about that. What would meet? If if there's someone in your your relationship that's that's feeling the need for greater sexual intimacy, a great question that person asks their spouse is, what can I do to help us connect better? What can I do to press into your heart to, to develop our emotional and relational and spiritual relationship outside the bedroom to make that 
more feasible. I think another thing that can cause couples to kind of uh, enter a sexless season is just because of circumstance, they, they're not having sex for a while. Maybe it's after children or it's during a season of work or a health issue. And it's just hard to jump start it again. And so one, one thing I want to do today is help you find ways to kind of jump start your sex life again if it's been a season or if you find yourself in that season of, of I don't know, not having a regular rhythm there. So what can we do? What can what couples do to, to begin uh, finding uh, God's design for sex and some satisfaction there for both parties in the room? What's the starting place? Well, I think one starting place I'm going to take it right now because I'm a girl, it, it's so much starts inside of our heads. And um, Barrett wrote a great poem. I wish we had it. It's called... Um, um, what was that? Uh, kitchen differences in the bedroom? It was about yeah. the crock pots and microwaves. It's like thing. a woman is a crock pot yeah. and takes all day for it to cook. And, and men are like microwaves. Just push the right buttons and we're ready. Yeah. And, and that's such a visual that sticks with me because it's so true. And so I think so much of this is sometimes hard for the girl because it's, um, it's all in her head. A lot of it is in our heads when we can't, um, remember how important it is and we get exhausted and we give everybody everything, but what our husbands need. And, and also I just feel like a huge paradigm shift for me was, um, when I was discipling young moms in the DFW area in Texas, we went to a conference and stayed in a hotel, even though we live there and went to an intimate issues conference by Linda Dillo and Lorraine Pintus. And honestly, that was the first time I had ever been exposed to or spoken to about the biblical perspective of sex. And ever since that weekend, I uh, it changed my life. It really did because I was looking at this topic out through the eyes of the world and through the eyes of stupid mistakes I made and when I was young, giving my heart away so many times. And to hear the biblical perspective of it just completely revolutionized my life. And it just made me realize that this really was God's idea and not princes or Beyonce's or um, whoever was cool at that moment. Well, when we teach marriage events, we will spend probably 45 minutes talking about God's design for sex and what what uh, God made sex to be. Let's just in two minutes or less zip through some of those real quick. We, we cover, I think, five key things that God made sex to be. Number one, it's of course for you know making babies and building life and creating life and joining God in that process, which of course is fantastic, and we know that. Um, another one is it creates oneness like nothing else can create oneness in our marriage. It does. I mean, it just, you have to stop and realize, I, I don't have this oneness with anyone else on planet Earth, and I'm not going, I don't want to lose it, and I don't want it to ever wane, and I don't ever want to take my husband for granted. I um, have lost friends. We've lost friends our age already. And I just don't ever want to forget how special it is, I guess is what I'm trying well, to it's, say. It's I a, mean, like you said, it's unique to the marriage relationship. It's one way you can be one with person. And that to become excites me. Even sure. when I don't feel like I'm, you know, major, majorly wanting to have sex. It I mean, you? some of these things. Let's pause it. the pause cast for a moment. Does and... this. Okay. <sighs> okay. We're back. But I'm just seriously, kidding. Yeah, you're right. Huh? The reasons that God gave 
make me so happy. And, 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 and I don't know, we just take it for granted or yeah. no one's ever, 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 ever taught, taught yeah. us these biblical perspectives well, of so, why so, God gave it to us. So one, this is great. It's fantastic and unique. The, another reason God made sex is for pleasure. I mean, it's all through the word of God. The Bible talks about pleasurable sex in marriage. When you read those scriptures, the, the hymn you should sing before, you know, reading those scriptures should be Marvin Gaye or something. Or, <laughs> a hymn. It's the hymn. It's the worship song. It's Barry White or Marvin Gaye or something that says, you know, sex is a beautiful, wonderful thing. It's pleasurable. God made those parts of our bodies How to give us joy. You memorize passages of Song of Solomon and quote Scrip- them. Scripture to memory. Me, honey. Song of Solomon. That's great. <laughs> word for word. Forget Shakespeare. I'll read Song of Solomon. But Fantastic. pleasure is something that. We've really had to take on teaching hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of newlyweds because the girls are always calling me saying, Miss Jen, I'm so worried about um, the honeymoon and will you help me out? And I am just like, you know, I do give her tips and I talk to her for a while, but pretty much she just needs to show up, you know? Um, She needs to not worry about that. Boys are so easily... Yeah, tell the girl, um, for girls who are... Pure and virginal and don't have experience, we just tell them, just show up and your boy will be fine. But what we really did as we discipled hundreds of newlyweds is we wanted those guys to be saying, Hey, Barrett, what do I need to do, you know, to start this off on the right foot? And he has counseled hundreds and hundreds of young men. But usually it's at my instance that I coach these guys because most of them don't think they need any help. They've been watching porn enough, they think they got sex figured out and they don't have a clue honestly, how to pleasure their wives. So God made sex for pleasure, but if it's not being pleasure with someone, then obviously you need to talk about that and figure out what it looks like to move in that direction. And that, that getting comfortable talking about sex and relationship, if you never have before, requires some real deliberate effort, but it can be done, needs well, to be done. And when I was talking to that young lady, I was reminding her of that book, because you could order that book, even though you're not a newlywed, say that, you know, Barrett and Jennifer were talking about it on their podcast, and use the book as the bad guy to bring up the topics that are so hard and awkward on our own to bring up. Mm-hmm. And the book can really help you guys um, start off on a, you know, different. That's good. Uh, so sex made for, God made sex for making babies, obviously, for oneness, for pleasure. It's a defense against temptation. And I think uh, most women aren't fully aware of just how extreme a temptation is. And so it's, it's. Tell always, them how hard it is. It's I mean, going to be difficult. I mean, just ladies, take whatever you imagine a man's temptation to look at other women or to look at pornography or whatever. Just take whatever you think it is and triple it, and you're probably not even close. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. severe. It's just a men are constantly bombarded in our world with temptations. Mm-hmm. And so it's always going to be a temptation, but if a marital sex life is not strong and healthy and good, then it's just amplified all the more. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's all on you girls. Men have to take responsibility no, for themselves. But, but ladies who love their husbands can come alongside them and say, you know what, let's make sure we're functioning well here. Well, and I just, when we talk about this, I just beam with um, thankfulness that Barrett has been so protective and guarding in our marriage. It makes me want to love him better and better and want our intimacy to grow and grow because it's almost like I want to reward him. And I remember that when I was dating him, he was one of the first guys I ever dated that wouldn't look at a pretty girl and look her up and down and up and down, you know, and that always disgusted me. And I loved that Barrett didn't do that to women and that he bounced his eyes. And that's what we've taught our children. We'll talk about that later on. But 
but I truly want to just say thank you. And I, I want to reward him. I, I want to let him look at me. So many of us, especially mid-age, are like, don't look at me, don't look at me, turn the light off and all that other stuff. But man, they don't care. They just love you and they just want you. And um, Well, we always, you always tell a story at our marriage events about you know, Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. You know, Paul Newman was People Magazine's sexiest man alive all through the 60s and 70s. He's you know, mm. a great actor who makes awesome salad dressing and <laughs> spaghetti sauce now. But he was interviewed by Johnny Carson or something once saying, you know, Paul Newman, you're the world's sexiest man alive. Women are probably throwing themselves at you. How do you guard your marriage? How do you stay faithful in the middle of all this temptation? And he just responded, you know, why would I want a hamburger out in the world? when I can go home and have a steak and I feel that way. And, and a filet mignon, a filet mignon, even the best steak, there is a little bacon wrapped around it or something. And so <laughs> again, it's a defensive patient and it needs to be that. And, and God's designed it for that. And the word speaks to that. And then finally, well, a fifth thing that, that we like is, uh, sex is a comfort. It's a, as you say, Jen, it's, it's a balm uh, over a lot of hurts and pain and difficulty in the world. When the world beats us up, it's it's great to be in a safe place with your spouse. We know, hey, I mm-hmm. we're we're safe and we're together and we're we're comfortable with one another and we can care and comfort one another in this environment. Yeah, I think it's such a wonderful gift from God in this area because you don't have to say it the right way or be heard the right way. Um, so words don't have to be a part of it, and it can just it can just. Uh, I don't know, just put a protector, a protection on our relationship. And it also, I I just, we've lost two babies. And I remember our first miscarriage, I was in the hospital and I just remember wanting to lock the door, which of course there are no locks on a hospital door, but I wish that I could have, and I wish that I could have just put Barrett up in bed with me and just hold each other and just be with one another physically. Um, and of course, that's not sex, but just intimacy. Um, I think that just when I learned that principle, that's what came immediately to my mind is when I miscarried that baby. And I wished that I could just be almost skin to skin with Barrett by herself and left alone. And I realized, you know, that's like an innate thing you want to do in a, in a great marriage is comfort one another with each other's bodies. Um, so anyway, well, I such think so, sweet things so that it, God planned for us. Indeed. If couples out there are struggling in this area, we just want to encourage you to, I guess, really just start talking about it. You've got to talk about these issues. Listen to this podcast together or get your partner to listen to it and, and just start talking about this stuff, what, what we need and what's not happening and what needs to happen. And if, you know, uh, there's something wrong that's just causing a real rift, maybe a hurt or uh, unforgiveness in your relationship. You don't feel safe with your partner. Again, talk about that. And if you're stuck in that world, get some help. Find a third party. Go to a good counselor that you trust or talk to a good trusted friend, husband and wife couple that can mentor you and just help you get unstuck. We, we shouldn't stay in these places of being stuck longer than we have to. And it's got, not God's design for you. And I, I get promise sex is a part of restoring what's broken in your marriage. And of course, this isn't our exhaustive, exhaustive sex talk. You know, it's not we're, we're, hours and we're hours. We're skimming the surface. We're skimming the surface, and we definitely want to hear and know your questions. So please, please reach out to us with your questions. Well, there's a lot of great resources to recommend. So here are our resources. Sometimes you want to talk about sex, having someone else to kind of guide you through it or a book to read together that kind of tease up the conversations can be very helpful. So Jennifer mentioned earlier, uh, Dillo and Pintus, a conference they lead called Intimate Issues. 
They've got a book for women that's called that, Intimate Issues. They have a version for couples called Intimacy Ignited, which is very good as well. Uh, you can look for those on Amazon. And uh, also, for ladies out there who need to have a better view of sex, I want some real practical encouragement. Uh, we love the book uh, by Sheila Ray Gregor, G-R-E-G-R-O-I-R-E, Sheila Ray Gregor. The book's called The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. Jennifer, I feel kind of awkward coaching ladies on reading The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex, but you, you recommend it highly. Oh, I highly recommend it. The only thing I would change about her book is... I wish she shared in the front of the book the biblical reasons for sex. She is kind of off to the races with um, mechanics and practical help, help, but the practical help is great and long overdue for many couples who have never, ever had anybody help them out. Just one last thing before we go that has been beneficial to hundreds and hundreds of people that we've coached are hormone replacement, seeing a doctor about where your hormones stand. Um, Also, like even therapists, physical therapists that work with women to help them and their bodies um, not experience as much pain. Um, You feel like something's wrong with you physically. Yeah. So thankful there's help out there for that. And if you live in our area, I have got a great doctor, an integrative doctor who is great at working with people and their hormones. And it, it truly just helps. It just beyond what I ever imagined. But our bodies have to be running right, and we're not taking care of our bodies half the time. So yeah. well, that's a facet of it. And there's that book by Rose Now you mentioned earlier, uh, newlywed, or A Celebration of Sex for newlyweds. I want to get that right. Go to Google or Amazon and track that down. Great book, small book, great resource though to kind of get you started uh, in the right way and something to give to young couples who are getting started in their married life. We once taught a, we were platform speakers at a conference for middle-aged people and we sold that book off our table and I think we sold all of them. I mean, you know, I think so many of us just need to go back to square one in this area and, and really take back ground from the enemy and say, look, this is of God. He wants us to do this. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be intimate and for this to be what he planned for it to be. Indeed. Well, let's go to the question of the week. So we'd love to answer your questions, but we got one question at a marriage conference we did back in the fall that we still have on a postcard that we thought was worth looking at related to this topic. The question from a couple was, what do you do for intimacy when your teens stay up later than you do? We're both too tired and to stay up late. So there's a couple that wants to go to bed at 10, kids are up till midnight. How do we have sex if the kids are still up? One thing I want to say, some of us are at the age where we are even um, blessed enough to like buy a new house or build our own house. The friends of mine that have built their own houses have put the master bedroom way (laughs) away from the kids. And I think that's so stinking brilliant. If you have the opportunity or if you're fixing to move, that is something to consider when you're out looking for houses. Well, that's relevant to us. We've lived in a house for 13 years now. We have one one kid directly above us and one kid directly below us. I mean, it has been a nightmare. (laughs) I mean, we have a little tiny five four is what they call it in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's small and... I feel like there's not a place in this house you can hardly talk So we about. went for 14 years during our teenagers' <laughs> years of not having sex. We just right? had a lot of, you're being too loud. All right, so here's the deal. You have locks on your door, people. Use the locks. Make them effective. If you have a bad lock, spend 15 bucks on a new doorknob. Yeah. Make the locks work. 
And it could be that if your kids are still up, you say, kids, we're going to bed now. And you lock the door and you crank up loud music or whatever in your room, whatever you want to do. But here's the deal. If your kids know that you're having sex, it's, it's going to okay. be okay. <laughs> yeah. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. It's probably even a good thing for your teenagers. They're going to get creeped out and they're going to, you know, they're going to, you know, say things like get a room. You're like, yeah, that's what we're doing right now. We're getting a room. But we do want our kids to know that we do it. I mean, I think it would be terrible to grow up in a home where the parents hid it so you know, far away that you just thought they never did it. There's a certain know? amount of trauma There's that comes such from a security and knowing well, your parents. Well, exactly. Are... There's a certain amount of trauma that comes from knowing your, your parents are still doing it, but there's a certain amount of security that comes yeah. with it as well. Yeah. They'll, they'll recover from the trauma. Your kids will not be in therapy for the rest of their lives. Promise. If they yes. know mom and dad are getting busy, it's going to be okay. And again, they come knock on the door and say, go away. And that could be your code word for if you hear something here, you're going to be uncomfortable. So go away. But if we're talking teenagers that can stay home by themselves, I promise you the thing that we have done the whole time we've lived here, which is 13 years, is go off and stay in a hotel in downtown Atlanta. It's an expensive date, but it's a good date. It's an awesome date. And it just, I don't know, it just recharges us. Um, so leave your stinking teenagers at home. If you can trust them, I hope you can, and go stay in a hotel. You can't do that three times a week, but uh, you no, know, but once, once a month, a month or I every think, couple of months, or six you know, weeks or so. Do yeah. that for a, a special date and remind yourself why you fell and in love I in the first place. I seriously had one of my kids look at me and say, Mom, I'm so glad you and Dad do that. And I know that they know what we're doing and why we do it. And I couldn't believe that kid thanked me. I was like, wow. I mean, that is pretty cool. So, well, good deal. Well, we want to leave you the word of encouragement before we go here. And I guess really the, the challenge with this topic is you need to be having sex. And if you're not as a married person, you need to rekindle that somehow. And we, we love, uh, you know, different little tools and resources to be able to schedule or, or put on the calendar. It sounds kind of awkward and weird to schedule sex, but there's a great little tool called the bead method that we love where you have a, a little bag of beads and a little dish by the table of your, of your spouse. And, when you put a bead in that bowl, it's like you saying, hey, I'd really love to be with you. And it's a promise from your spouse saying, hey, in the next 24 hours, this will happen and we'll make it. It may not be you know, right now, but the next 24 hours. And that's really cool because it creates a little anticipation and a little um, flirtation and, hey, we're going to do this soon. And it really helps you ramp up to it in some ways. Both yeah. of you get a kind of committed to that moment. And so find a way to talk about it. But application wise, we just think you need to find a way to start getting busy. So if you're listening mm -hmm. as, a, as a girl, um, maybe it's time to get creative about how you can really, you know, uh, excite your husband or bless him in some way with a surprise of some kind. Or if you're a guy, think, how can I romance my wife and love her well and pursue her heart to make this a part? But most importantly, just start talking about it. For more information about anything we've discussed in the podcast today, head over to infoforfamilies.com. At the top of the page, you'll see the word podcast. Just click on that. You'll find an episode page for each of our episodes. On today's episode, you'll find information and details and links to books that we've mentioned today and just resources that might be helpful to you as you explore this subject further in your marriage. Again, that's infoforfamilies.com. As always, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and also to make it leave a review there. We love when people tell us and give us feedback on what you hear. It helps us spread the message about other people. And we'll have also links on our Info for Families Facebook page where you can go over there and share this with other people in social media. 
Well, for now, again, infoforfamilies.com is what we're all about. Reach out to us at help at infoforfamilies. Give us your questions, your four Real Friday posts, and share this with somebody else. And we hope that this has been encouraging for your imperfect and normal family. For now, I'm Barrett. And I'm Jen. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time.